Welcome, Iowa innovators, educators, entrepreneurs, ecosystem builders, and anyone interested in finding fresh ways of doing the work they do right here in Iowa. This is Iowa Innovation, powered by Nuboco, where we talk to leaders in innovation, education, and entrepreneurship. I'm Dr. Jennifer Murphy. And I'm not a doctor, Rob Merritt. Today, we are talking with LeVar Davis-Kidd. And it is hard, actually, to give him a single title. You can't. You can't. No. I, one of the things that I love about LLD is that he's involved in so many places. He has built his name in so many different areas, most of them connected to the arts community, but uh, but more recently with uh, 100% over racism. Yeah, and he's, he's definitely a big fan of movement on a physical level as well as a social justice level. And we're going to talk about both of those things as well as how he makes this entire entrepreneurial journey work for him. So with that, let's innovate, Iowa. So guess what? Our sponsor for this show is Nymaster Good, who is Iowa's largest law firm. Rob, can you name the three places that they have offices? I'm going to say Cedar Rapids, I know, and uh, Des Moines, and then I think they're in Ames, too. Yes, yes. And I, that's, I think there's like a really prominent university up there, but I'm not sure. No, I don't know. no. In I'm, fairness, I'm not from Iowa. In so. fairness, I try to avoid Ames whenever possible. <laughs> but... You don't want to avoid Nymaster Good up there because they've got cutting edge, positive legal approach that has helped a lot of businesses of all kinds of sizes for more than 100 years. And what's great is you can talk to them about whatever your new business is, which in the case of someone like LD, uh, LD is has got so many different ventures and so many of them are kind of like in the moment, Hey, mm -hmm. this would be a good idea. Yeah. And so obviously when you want to do something like that, you're going to want to check in and make sure all that, that, uh, all the legal, uh, all the legal T's are crossed and all that good stuff. And so that's where Nye Master Good comes in handy. Yeah. So they've got more than 70 practice areas. So if you're really curious if they could support you, I'm going to put my money on they could. They've got attorneys with expertise in all areas of law, like things like corporate structure, which, you know, like our friend LD could really use because he's got so many things going on. Um, capital raising, which is always great for entrepreneurs. Intellectual property protection. You got to protect those ideas. Tax planning, employee benefits, labor and employment law, government relations and litigation. So if any of those be helpful to you, even if you're in Ames. You can visit Nymaster.com <laughs> to learn what Nymaster Good can do for you. So welcome, LD. It's great to have you here. I realize you and I have got a long history. We've worked together on a ton of projects over like a couple of decades now, which unfortunately ages us. Exactly. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I was thinking about this when you came in that um, I, everything from we've been on stage together at Theater Cedar Rapids. I've taken photos for Movement Dance Company. I actually took a few classes at Movement Dance Company, yes. which we won't talk about because nobody, nobody <laughs> did, needed to see yeah. that. Why those, are we not talking yeah, about Yeah, those classes this? are like Bruno. We don't talk about that. No, 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 no. I've, I feel uh, cheated. <laughs> um, I, I helped LD uh, with some edits on your poetry book. Yep. Um, I've like I've taken photos for a number of things. I mean, basically, it's like you've been involved in a number of of creative and entrepreneur endeavors, and I feel like I've gotten to help out with a few of them. Yes. So it's uh, so it's fun to have you here and talk. And there's so many things we could dive into, but I think that kind of the overall question I'd like to ask, based on that, is you've always struck me as a person who finds a way to take your creative passions and turn them into a business, uh, which can be really difficult to do, um, to, you know, 
so many people are like, oh, I have my day job so that I can afford to do the thing that I really like. But, uh, but you have found a way to take the thing that you really like and turn it into your day job. And, uh, and you've basically done that as an entrepreneur as opposed to working for someone else. So can you kind of talk about how, how you got to the point where you mentally understood how to do that, how to make your passions profitable? Absolutely. Uh, and Rob, thank you for everything that you have done for me in the past. If I've not said it, I'm sure that I have, but it's one of those things where I'm like, yeah, you have done a lot. Uh, even back when you were at the Gazette writing articles about Movement Dance Company at one oh, right. point in time, it was a <laughs> work that I did space that. <laughs> that I had. Yeah. So just crazy, uh, yeah, crazy history. And it's never been for me about how do I make this into a business it has always been, how can I continue to do something that can give back to the community? And if it turns into a business from that, great. So, you know, thinking back to Movement Dance Company, which goes back to 2006, mm-hmm. and that was just an idea to get people dancing. I knew a lot of people that were quote unquote older and they were all looking for outlets. And I was like, well, I want to create that outlet. And then that outlet turned into something bigger. And I was like, well, I might as well brand this in some way, shape or form. And so that's how MDC was founded. The most recent endeavor has been 100% over racism, which was something that wasn't about me at all. It was like, how can I create something in the wake of what happened to George Floyd that will have an impact that is lasting and that also creates community around hard conversations. So it's always been for me about creating community and oftentimes that community is being created through movement in some way, shape or form. Um, You know, so that's what MDC stood for back in the day. And today with 100% of a racism, that's still what it stands for. It's about the movement as opposed to it being about an individual. So I'm glad that my name is attached to it, but at some point in time, if somebody wants to take it over, (laughs) that I'm more power to them. I heard business for sale to the right buyer. That's, that's what I heard. <laughs> or I will give it away <laughs> to the right person. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. And how, how did, well, just, just as an example, how did 100% over racism go from an idea to something that gained a lot of recognition and appeared in a lot of shirts? Um, how, like, what was the process in building that? Yeah. So, uh, you know, a moment ago I did say it wasn't really about me, but in that moment it was a protest sign about me. Uh, I had never been to a protest before and I was getting ready to leave my apartment and I quickly realized I don't have something to take. I don't have a sign. And so I just for a moment thought, well, I'm 50% black, 50% white, and I'm a hundred percent over racism. So it came out of this kind of math problem. Um, and when I took the sign down there, I had snapped a photo and I sent it to my brother who lives in Colorado um, and to another friend who lives in Des Moines and they both were like turn it into a t-shirt and so I jokingly said hey Raygun you should make my t-shirt and a friend of mine from high school actually reached out and she said hey we'll make your shirt for you so it was supposed to be this one-off thing and it resonated so much with people uh, that it was like okay what's next what's the next thing that can happen and so at that point in time we really started 
becoming bigger. And I immediately was like, okay, we have these organizations in town that are focused on the black, brown, and biracial communities. And I want to then use the money raised to benefit those uh, organizations. African American Museum of Iowa, also the Academy SPS. There's just some really great organizations. So we actually, over the past two years, have been able to donate back almost $10,000 to organizations in the community. Wow. That's an impact. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And it's created some really great partnerships and some really great conversations um, that I don't necessarily know if they would have been able to happen Mm -hmm. if this idea hadn't been sparked. Yeah, it creates a connection between people in a way that that just saying, hey, let's talk about race and the challenge that we have right now, it creates a whole different kind of conversation. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And some of the conversations have started off negative and have ended yeah. positive. There are people that question, well, why are you saying you're 100% over racism? Shouldn't you be really focused on it? And I said, if my kids are misbehaving Mm-hmm. and I'm over their behavior, it <laughs> yeah. means I need to figure out a way to change it, to make a different <clears throat> impact that is a positive one. And to have that conversation, it's challenging, but at the end of it, hopefully the outcome is what we're looking for, which is unity. Right, right. Well, I remember for a while you were offering, in the early days, you were offering shirts where it could, there were different variations depending on the race of the buyer. Right. And I, I remember that after a while, I think there was some backlash on that, that people thought it was sending a message when you said things like, you know, 100% white, 100% over racism, right. that people got upset about that. Yeah. Which I was like, come on, guys. Like, I, you can see what the point is. But, uh, but I do remember you had to pull a few down simply because there were people that took it and ran. But in a way, that, you know, as, as as frustrating as I imagine that could be, that also, like you said, does inspire a conversation that we're talking about this from all angles and people are, are seeing things and it's inspiring a conversation of, oh, well, you know, based on what my personal racial makeup is, you know, is that something that should be inserted into the conversation or is that irrelevant to what we're trying to do, um, which is a conversation that might not have happened if, if you hadn't phrased the shirts the way that you did. Yeah, absolutely. And It was from a Facebook post that started a lot of the issue. Uh, If I remember correctly, I believe it was Steve, one of Steve Shriver's daughters that had posted a picture. She wasn't even wearing the shirt yet. She just was holding it up and it was 100% white, 100% over racism. And there was just so many negative comments about like, why would, and it was almost attacking her Mm -hmm. and it didn't make any sense. And so I quickly started to comment on posts that I saw saying, hey, you should check out what it is that we stand for, because most people didn't. Most people saw the picture, and it was just this immediate gut reaction, and they commented, which we know that's what social media often is. Mm -hmm. And so for a long time, I was having pretty challenging conversations with people I didn't even know, because I desired to have those conversations. I had the bandwidth at that time, and that bandwidth also extended to high school friends. I was having people reach out apologizing for anything that they might have done in the past that could have come across. And I was like, I think that I was probably laughing right there with you. Like at that point in time, we didn't know, like we didn't know any better. And now that we do, it's what we choose to do after that fact. So, you know, I, if you know better than do better, that's Maya Angelou. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I love the way you characterize that because 
I think, and this theme has come up on this podcast before, this inability to have constructive conversations about hard topics. Um, I mean, we've covered things from, you know, women in entrepreneurship, which is, <laughs> we, both Mo Collins and I just, just say, well, oh, you're, gonna, you're really going to say that, you know, or, or the, or businesses that aren't tech focused, what, you know, so, you know, there's weird little things like that, but then there's the bigger issues of, you know, with women talking about periods or diversity in tech, we had um, Keith Dalby, our, our um, chief tech guy come in and talk about that. And now you're having this different kind of conversation, which, you know, I just, I have to make the connection because it's so obvious like this is just a different kind of movement you know movement dance company now you're in this movement and it is you are not just hey buy my shirt and figure the message out you're right. so willing to have the conversation which so many aren't mm -hmm. and i think that's where it breaks down is is we get afraid you know anybody we the collective humanity get afraid to say something that may be hurtful which is where i suspect all those apologies were coming from you know and we out of our own guilt are like if i ever did anything except my blanket apology for something i don't even know if i did right. which it, and in some cases, and this sounds judgmental, in some cases I think is worse. Because if you don't even recognize your own behavior, like just be quiet. Well, and, and it's and dismissive. Learn, you know, you know, it, it you're is. You're basically yeah. saying, well, I don't think I did anything wrong because I can't think of anything. Yeah. But obviously that offended you somehow. Yeah. So uh, I'm apologizing to you, you little sensitive yeah. person, even yeah. though I didn't do anything yeah. wrong. And well, and there's like, also dude. this assumption that we're seeking those apologies. Yes. And yes. oftentimes we're not. We're talking about the issues that are at hand today mm -hmm. because the past is the past. Yeah. It can inform what we do in the future, yeah. but that's not what we're dwelling on yeah. when it comes to these specific conversations. So it, it becomes a little tricky and it's tough water to navigate. I think as a Western society, we oftentimes sugarcoat everything. So then when somebody is actually having a deep intellectual conversation, other people hear that and they're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe you said that. But it's, it's, it's real and it's raw. It's what needs to be said in that moment. And unfortunately, there are things in place that make some of those conversations really difficult. And unfortunately, Facebook is one of those places. Right. Facebook does not like the word racism, whether it's in a positive or a negative light. Right. So I had to be really strategic about how I can advertise through Facebook. Uh, and oftentimes I choose not to because as soon as I do, I get these alerts and notifications saying that I can't use that word. And, you know, without the context, yeah, I understand that. But in the context, it's so important for these conversations to be happening in social media is a good way to have those. But at the same time, it makes it somewhat difficult. Yeah. Have you had to do a lot of sponsored posts in order to, to push, uh, to push your work? Or do you find that a lot of it is spreading organically? So I believe that most of it has spread organically but I've done advertisement only because I want to reach people outside of Cedar Rapids, outside of the state of Iowa. When I pull up my demographic map of where the shirts have gone, it's pretty central to Cedar Rapids and the Iowa area. And so I want to get the word out to more places. I've actually reached out to a few friends and I've sent items to them saying, I just want to gift you with this. If it turns into something great, if it doesn't, that's fine as well. Uh, but yeah, it's just, it's a message that I feel is important. And I also want people outside of our state to understand what we're doing about all of this stuff. So 
Iowa's the flyover state. It's right in the middle of the Midwest. It gets confused with everything else. But there's a lot going on here from a creative aspect and from an entrepreneurial aspect as well. You mentioned that this project kind of came about, it was inspired by what happened with George Floyd. But um, it's we're coming up on almost two years now. Two since, year anniversary. Yeah. And true. do you find that in the time since then, uh, has interest in the shirts or the message, mm-hmm. has that pretty much stayed the same? Has it has it kind of dropped down at all or has it actually grown? So it ebbs and flows. Uh, there will be days, I shouldn't say days, there will be months where there's zero cells. And then all of a sudden somebody in some random place in small town Iowa has heard about it and then a shirt will be purchased. Um, I think overall it has definitely gone down a bit and it's because it's not in the news people aren't talking about it people are like well we did what we could do for that so now that it's not being talked about it let's not focus on it uh let's move past it even though not a whole lot has changed in those two years if you really you know if it if you think about it not a lot has changed unfortunately there are things that are in place but the change itself hasn't happened there are more conversations i think that there are more allies but there's not a lot of real tangible change that people are seeing, especially people of color. You mentioned trying to get the message out outside of the state of Iowa. Have you pursued any partnerships to try and uh, to try and get more shirts made or, or, or spread the operation out nationwide? So grad school kind of got in the way of a lot of, <laughs> you know, uh, well-placed plans. Um, so unfortunately, the last year has been so focused on what I'm doing in school that it's been really hard for me to have the bandwidth to kind of do that. So I try to still keep up a little bit on Instagram and things like that. But as far as partnerships, there's not really been any opportunities that um, felt like a good investment at the time. Mm -hmm. Um, We have a new Juneteenth collection. And if people place their orders soon, uh, then they will be able to have those by June 19th. Uh, So that's something that I've been pushing within the past couple of months. But beyond that, it's been really hard to kind of balance everything with two kids at home that are five and seven. And my schedule prior to grad school was pretty crazy. And so I took all these things that were already on my plate. And instead of removing some of them, I just put grad school on there as well. So uh, I'm working on ways of making that transition into year two of grad school a little bit better, which will then allow for a bit more focus. But I also should say some of the partnerships that I've had locally have been in collaboration with 100% over racism. So I did uh, a production, uh, a work called They Drew a Line with the African American Museum of Iowa, which I am actually going to Trinidad and Tobago this summer, May 31st through June 11th to do research on that project. I'm going to meet with some civil engineers that are there. I'm going to meet with percussionists. I'm going to meet with some dancers and just really dive into taking that piece deeper. So it will be reframed and may end up being a completely different work Mm -hmm. when all is said and done. So I'm really grateful for the connections that I've made through the African-American Museum of Iowa, but also the ability have having been in grad school to receive a grant, a summer grant to go and do this research. Mm -hmm. And it's basically funded at this point in time completely through the summer grant. And then when I come back from that trip, I'm going to do a presentation of the previous version 
a little Q&A, and then the new version over the course of three weekends with the African-American uh, Museum of Iowa. So that's going to be a really cool and interesting thing. And yeah. once all that's done, then I'm going to get back to how I can revamp and rebrand 100% of a racism to kind of take it to the next level. It's funny. Uh, th- this, this has happened a, a lot over the last 15 years that I will get a call or a message from LD that's just like, Hey, can you help out with this thing? You know? <laughs> and, uh, and one of my favorite memories of that, this was uh, at least a decade ago that I got that message from LD that was like, Hey, can you film something for me? And it turned out to be that LD was auditioning for um, in the Heights and so he needed me to come over and film him like doing like the 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 the, the rap by the main character that I think opens the show. Yep. And uh, and so you know, and we did this very quietly, you know, and sent it off. And uh, you wound up being part of that tour. And I yes. know that you got to you mentioned that you got to meet Lin Manuel Miranda, um, who you have said is a big hero, a big inspiration oh, of yours. And so I'm curious, who are some of I mean, in addition to Lynn Manuel, who are some of the figures that have inspired you um, in your in your life and in your career? Wow, <laughs> that is a a flashback because I'm also <laughs> sure that you read aside for that video as well. I did, I yep. did, and that is why that video will never ever resurface. <laughs> it's not so much because of LD; it's because he needed a scene partner, which means it's uh, <laughs> on, buried on my computer somewhere. There is a video of me doing the other side on on in the heights and yes. no one will ever see that were, were you rapping I, I i will confirm nor deny he was wasn't he oh my god yeah so wow um new goal break into rob's computer good luck that'll be the next uh viral tiktok right? oh my god oh no it won't i just posted a meme that was like i don't watch tiktoks i wait for them the most popular ones to show up on instagram and watch them two weeks mm-hmm. later like an adult <laughs> and in my head right now talking about rap and tiktok is my money don't jingle jingle it <laughs> like that rap is like and then you know they, they put a dance to it and then all, so i just need to create that right uh, yeah. in collaboration with 100 percent of racism we need that thing yeah. um but yeah going back to people that inspire me i mean it's changed a lot over the years um i think from a creative standpoint lin manuel miranda is still that person that he's like a year younger than me and all of the things that he's done have been things that I've like dreamt about, like doing that thing that puts you in the right place at the right time. And now what he has been able to do for uh, animated movies, like kids seeing themselves represented Mm -hmm. on film is just huge. Um, I have to say too, that my, my family is a big inspiration. My twin brother, JD, who is out in Colorado he has done so much in his time in Colorado that has just been amazing. He just passed his last, you know, final and he's uh, going to be a journeyman electrician and just what he's been able to do over the past even four years. He's also coming up on, I can't even remember what year it is, like some ridiculous number of years of being alcohol free, just like mm-hmm. all of these things are just really huge. So a big shout out to him. My mom has always supported me. She's never been like, wait, why are you doing that? She's always <laughs> been like, all right, how can I help? You know, in whatever way, very similar to you, like, you know, that text <laughs> message. Um, so yeah, just, I have this really great support system currently. Like my girlfriend has been amazing. Tisha, um, just a great 
voice in my ear, like asking really challenging questions oftentimes, which then makes me make even better decisions than I think that I would have made prior to those <laughs> questions being asked. Uh, so I have a really good local support system. Uh, and then outside of that, you know, going back to more like celebrities, it's really hard, um, especially right now to even say this. And I apologize to the listeners, but prior to the slap, Will Smith was up there and <laughs> that's true for a lot of us. Yeah. yeah. And it's also like, it's not going to make me not go and watch his next movie. Right. It's also not going to make me listen to the really positive things that he does have to say. Right. Um, yeah. So that, I know that that's a bit challenging because it's, it's, you know, what color is the dress? You know, is Chris Rock right? Is Will Smith right? right? Like what, it, you know, so right. that becomes a bit challenging, but also as a African-American male, uh, someone who was biracial, like that was the person that I looked up to because he looked the most like me. You know, sure. I would see him on screen. I'm like, oh man, like I felt like I could relate. So that, that won't change too much for me. Um, and then there's just a lot of people that are doing really amazing work around diversity, equity, and inclusion. And that list is exhaustive. Mm -hmm. Um, I think locally, like, you know, Stacy Walker is doing some really amazing things. Um, there are people that are on uh, a board that I actually had to step down from, unfortunately, because of grad school on the Citizen Review oh, board, yep. uh, the CRB that's here, and meeting some of those people and understanding their different uh, takes on what it is what it is that's happening in Cedar Rapids and how they want to see change come about was really inspiring. I wish that I was able to continue with that, but unfortunately, the schedule was just going to be too crazy. Um, yeah, I think that those are some of the things and people that inspire me. Anyone that's willing to have those hard conversations and also admit when they're at fault. I think that's what's missing from a lot of the conversations. I, you know, not the exact same, but just the other day, I had misquoted something from my syllabi in my class. And at the end of the semester, I had to say, I'm sorry for not telling you the correct information. It's been here this entire time. And I had to apologize. And I think that it was refreshing you know, mm -hmm. for people to hear somebody like actually admit when they were in the wrong. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So I teach at the college level as well. And that's my first thing that I tell my students actually is, you know what, y'all, I am human mm -hmm. and I will miss things if I don't respond to an email or miss a text message or I miss your phone call or there's something I say that's just not you know clear or correct. Call me on right. it for Pete's sake. Like I'm human. You, in my case, are all adult learners, mm -hmm. professionals. I'm just like, y'all, you know, call me on it. These are the kinds of discussions I want you to ha be able to have with people in a professional manner. Yeah, so let's and, do it. And know? those situations are so interesting too, because really in the grand scheme of things, you're kind of paying my salary, you know, like, yes. so you have, and that's the same thing when it comes to, you know, politicians, like right. we should be asking the really hard questions. Mm -hmm. And if they don't give us the answer we're looking for, we should keep asking those questions. Yes. Yeah. hundred percent. You know, I'm, I'm interested in the way, and I, th I have a couple of layers to this question, so bear with me as I okay. get to this. We had David Jansen on here a few weeks ago, and we talked about Bruce Moore as part of the, the kind of arts and creative entrepreneurial ecosystem and the venue that they create and the work that they support. And I see the work that you're doing in that same vein. And I'm thinking of all the collaborations that you've done. The most recent one I saw was the one you did with Aqui for Women Lead Change. My God, I, I loved that. I watched that five times. I'm not even kidding. I like was just over and over and over watching that because it was so beautiful. Everything. And every time I watched it, I saw something new. 
So you have a raving fan, obviously. Thank you. But I did. I thought that was really impressive. And so you're doing those kinds of collaborations. You're also working with students at U of I. You're working on your own personal projects. You've got 100% over race. You've got all of these things happening. How do you, as a creative entrepreneur, find other creative entrepreneurs to help support this work that you're doing and work in collaboration, as well as make it all somehow jigsaw puzzle together in your world. And you mentioned you're a single, you're for all intents and purposes, a single dad raising two boys. You have a great support system, which is fantastic, but that's a lot. And I'm speaking as a single parent as well with multiple things going on in my life. And I know it's a lot, but I feel like you are me on steroids. Like, (laughs) (laughs) and that's not a commentary on how fit you are. This is... (laughs) Like there, you do a lot. And I think my first glimpse at that was, I didn't, you won't even remember this. I'm positive, but we were doing yoga in the cherry building and you were, you were sitting there and you were like, all right, I think I'm going to buy another website. (laughs) (laughs) You're just like, this is what I do. I just, I buy websites because it's, it's a business idea for someday. And I was like, Ooh, there's an entrepreneurial mind there, you know? And I just remember that. And then you did some things, you know, in yoga too, that was just, you stepped away from the traditional model of yoga, which I loved. I was just like, yes, let's have an experience with our physical form. And you created that. So super long context to that question, but how, like you have so many, um, proverbial irons in the fire. What does that look like for you? And how do you make all these connections in your world? Yeah. So, um, I do recall that yeah. it was Ecolips so was random. still yeah. right below me in the cherry building. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and it always smelled good in there because and, of Ecolips. <laughs> yeah. Cause there were a couple of Ecolips people that yeah. would come up. And I, at yeah. that time, I think I was doing some chair massage down there mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. Um, I want to jump back real quick and just say that the mother of my kids, mm-hmm. Jenny, she has also been a really great oh, support sure. system. Yeah. Her parents as well. Yeah. Um, and oftentimes I my, I don't have a typical schedule because of all the stuff that I do. Yeah. So there are times where they step up in a huge way yeah. and take the boys. When I go to Trinidad and Tobago, yeah. she's taking the boys for like seven extra days that she normally wouldn't. So yeah. I just want to give her a shout out as yeah. well. Good co-parenting yes. is a huge, huge, like we could do a whole podcast on ju- just co-parenting yes, and the benefits of actually co-parenting versus just having two houses with kids shuttling right. between. Yeah. Right. yeah. So, uh, and I do have to, uh, give credit where credit is due the person who I did most of my yoga training through James Miller, he's the one that actually told me about the website thing. Mm. He said, (laughs) anytime I have an idea, I buy the website, even if I don't use it, at least I know that it exists. And so at that point in time, because I had just done yoga training with him, I knew that that was something that, so I think at that point in time, I had like six six different domain names (laughs) for, you know, six different projects. I probably used two of them. Um, yeah, but it was just a good way of thinking about it. He also is the person that said, create the idea, market it, then figure out what you're going to do. Mm. And so I remember he gave me this opportunity at the uh, Iowa City Yoga Festival. Oh, yeah. He said, I want you to teach. Tell me what you're going to teach. And I'm like, well, I don't know. I haven't figured it out yet. And he goes, make up a name for it, then figure it out. I remember so, yeah. that actually. Yeah. That was awesome. Yeah. So I think I did like this like hip hop to Hatha. Like, and it was just this connection between my journey as a hip hop instructor, street dance instructor into this yoga thing. And everybody thought that they would be doing, you know, like break dancing in that class. I'm like, no, it's just about the journey of how you can come from any different walk of life and find whatever it is that is one of your callings. Cause I don't think that any, I personally do not think 
necessarily that people have one calling. I think that people can have more than one calling in their lives or on their lives, if you will. Uh, So I think it's been really beneficial to have been born and raised in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. Mm. This is such a hub to all of these amazing things that are just outside of our city and state. But there are a lot of talented people. I'm sitting here with two of those people, <laughs> three, who yeah. is one of the you know producers, yeah. uh, Logan Adam Schultz, who's just like this person from this community that is incredibly talented. Theater Cedar Rapids has done a really great job of also cultivating talent. There are other local organizations now way more than there ever were mm-hmm. before, which just tells you that there's so much talent that needs to be seen and showcased. Uh, and so, yeah, some of the stuff that... I've chosen to do. It's been very easy. I went to high school with Aqui. So it was that connection that's always been (laughs) there. We have so many ideas that we've talked about over the years. And it's great when one of them actually like lands like, oh, we can do this thing together and make it really work. Um, The same thing happened with the book with Rob. It's like, I knew I wanted to put out a book of my poetry because I just had this huge collection of it. But I also knew that there were things that I needed some help to do. And I think at I had to put a line in there saying um, artistic interpretation of the editing by me because you suggested (laughs) some things and I'm like, but I just like how it looks on the page, you know? So that side of things, I wanted to make sure that they knew that Rob knew his stuff with editing, but I was making some choices. And there's just so many people, whether it is somebody who is a videographer like Joshua Booth, who shot that video yeah. for the Women Lead Change video. Yeah. Uh, Courtney Ball was the person who was kind of the brain behind that of putting that whole thing together. Um, there are other things and other people in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, that other people just they don't know about. And right. then once they learn about it and then there's also just connections outside of Cedar Rapids. Um CSPS does a really great job of bringing in artists. Had they not brought in uh, Amanda Tate, Mm -hmm. I would have not seen her work with her robots and how this Manibus robot paints with the movement of, and I'm watching these videos going, I want to be involved with that. I ran into her when she was taking stuff down and I got to be a part of this film that she produced called Sapient uh, 2.021, I think is what it is. Um, and from that, I met this guy named Jason, Jason Snell, who is a local musician yes. who is doing all this work with like brainwaves and turning that into sound. And now we're collaborating on something. And it's, you know, it's like sometimes it is being in the right place at the right time. But Cedar Rapids is rich with talent. And then you go to Iowa City and it's rich with talent. And then you go to Des Moines and you're like, it's rich with talent. Yeah. There's so much talent in Iowa. And a lot more people, I feel like, are choosing to stay here because mm-hmm. for a long time, people were like, done with school and they were gone. They just didn't think that they could do the things that they wanted to do here. And I've always been that person that's like, yes, I want to go and travel. I want to go and do these things. But everything I learned, I want to bring it back to Cedar Rapids. Because if I'm just another person that leaves, there are things that won't get shared. And I think that they're really important to share. One of the things that Nuboco is doing right now is really focusing on not just having things here in Cedar Rapids, but also looking out at our rural communities. Mm -hmm. And 
you know, we've got, we do, you're right. Like we have an abundance of riches between Iowa City, Cedar Rapids. And now I wouldn't even, you know, stretch that to Waterloo, Cedar Falls right. area anymore. Right. And mm-hmm. so, you know, we do this, this kind of corridor, which I know we're not supposed to use that term anymore, but this corridor. Wait, why are we not supposed to use that? I don't know. I keep hearing, don't, we, it's not the corridor. Are we not the cultural corridor anymore? I don't even know. Oh, we, it, it's, yeah, there, we're totally the cultural corridor. <laughs> there, there was an attempt to rebrand and I yeah, don't think it I, went well and we're back to the corridor. Are again. we? Okay. So yes. I, I can safely say. Say it. Yes. Whew, yes. Goodness. I, like that's almost a harder conversation than DEI anymore. I feel like <laughs> 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 I, for me anyway. But either way, um, you know. So we're in. You know, we're in this area where there's an abundance of riches when it comes to that. But then you go out into some of our smaller rural communities, and that's not the experience that people are having. Mm-hmm. And I think that's you know one of the things I love about the mission of Nuboco is it's not Cedar Rapids. It's the entire state of mm-hmm. Iowa. And you know, if there was, and I'm kind of asking you to think about the art of the possible here, because I think you're good at this, but, you know, if there was a way to spread some of this work, some of the ex- exposure that you are feeling being here into some of our smaller rural communities, how, how might you envision something like that? That's another really great question. And it is something that's kind of always been on my radar. Yeah. I've done show choir choreography since 1997 in and around the state of Iowa. And when I first got started, a lot of those schools were very small schools. I'm talking HLV, um, which is Victor, Iowa. Uh, So no idea what that is, (laughs) but it's, it's one of, you know, and that, I think that group had maybe 12 members in their Mm -hmm. show choir. And it was like, I was trying to get a start and I was going into these communities and seeing that there was definitely a need for more culture and more, um, entrepreneurial spirit within these communities, but I didn't have the tools at the time to share. And I was, I was pretty self-focused at that time too. I was like, well, this has my name on it. So it has to be this really good product. And I wasn't at that point in time, so much focused on the community that I was wanting to create, but not doing a good job of creating that. And I'll admit that that still happens today where I go in and I'm so focused on product and not process. And that's something that I've been learning more and more in grad school is like the process is just as important as the product, if not more important. Oh, self-awareness. You're so awesome. I love you. Well, and also, you know, being in this cohort, I have, you know, four other graduate students who come from all these different walks of life who are creating work that I would have never thought to create in that way. And so I'm being open to new ways of creating, which are new ways of learning, which are new ways of giving back to the community as well. So yeah, I think that I would love opportunities to get into some of these, you know, more rural communities and tell them about 100% over racism, but do it in a way that's very conversational. And maybe that is a performance of some sort. Um, Maybe that is a workshop, a class, something that is easily accessible to all different people uh, and doesn't feel like we're coming in to try to change your way of thinking. We just want to engage in conversation. Yeah. Any final thoughts, Rob? Uh, just that, um, I'm, I'm going down memory lane, just listening to some of these stories and realizing <laughs> how long you and I have, have worked together. Yes. Um, but, uh, I, I think what I think is interesting is that so many people talk about, well, you have to have a plan, you know, as a, as a, <laughs> as a business owner, you have to have a plan, but it, it really seems in listening to you that a lot of your success has come from just being very in the moment and very aware of what inspires you at a given moment or what you feel like 
the world needs at a given moment and then going with that and making it a reality, which I think is, is also really valuable because sometimes, I mean, you want to have a plan, but you don't want to be so locked into that plan that you don't see opportunities around you because they don't fit with the plan. Right. And so I think that's a really, uh, it's a really good example that you're setting that there are ways not just to follow your heart and your passion, uh, but to but to also see an opportunity and move quickly on it uh, while it's in the moment. Yes, absolutely. Uh, I'm not sure if I'm going to butcher this metaphor or not, but I like to think of myself as someone who builds the plane while in flight. Yeah. Or builds the parachute while falling. Yeah. Like you figure it out as you go because that allows for shifting and adapting and change to happen and the most consistent thing in life is change and if we're not open to that we miss out on so many opportunities which i would read the quote from your shirt around that too ignorance is no protection from the consequences of inaction Uh, isabel wilkerson i love that quote thank you all right thank you ld thank you both so much Thanks so much to our guest, Lovar Davis-Kid, for coming on to the show. And remember, you can find LD uh, pretty much all over the web. Um, LD has a strong social media presence on, uh, on Twitter, on Facebook, uh, on Instagram. And, uh, and just generally, I, I mean, it's, it's harder to avoid LD than it is to run into him. Yep, you can find him via his name. You can also find him at 100% over racism. And we will have all that contact information in the show notes. And if you love the show, please subscribe and leave us a review. And you can also visit our blog, nubo.co slash blog, to find key takeaways from today's episode that are summarized in detail. This podcast is produced by our amazing, amazing support system here at LAS Media Group, and they do some distribution for us as well. We kind of like these guys. For more information, go ahead and head out to lasmediagroup.com. And finally, we would love it if you think about making a donation to NuboCo because your contributions to our nonprofit are what help us continue to serve innovators, educators, and entrepreneurs all over the state of Iowa. If you want to learn more, visit nubo.co slash donate. It's kind of like our own movement, like not with dancing, but with... Wow. Something. I don't know. Speaking of movement, that was one heck of a stretch right there. Right? Yeah, I know. I'm stretching hard, but I'm trying to make a connection. I'm trying to be funny, Rob. (laughs) 